If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Nurse Wellness Podcast, hosted by Wendy Garvin Mayo, focuses on the power of stress management and how it's foundational to being your best, doing your best, and giving your best. There's a wonderful episode that you should check out called Letting Go, where Wendy Garvin Mayo shares six strategies to release control and manage stress effectively. Check out Nurse Wellness Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. what can you believe it we made it to season five and this is the first episode of the new season so why don't we celebrate together okay now we gotta get back to the episode i'm excited to be back because doing this podcast brings me so much joy and it energizes me in my pursuit of better wellness and better health i continue to focus on doing more of what brings me joy so don't forget to take some time to think about how you can do more of what brings you joy now, my guest for this episode is Tiffany Hauser. She is an executive and leadership coach, entrepreneur, and a woman of color who is passionate about people and transformation. Yes, transformation. Who can't do more transformation? I want some transformation. So questions this episode will answer. What does self-worth have to do with leadership or running a team? What are some strategies to build self-worth? And why is it important to focus on relationships? Now, whether you're an entrepreneur, woman, or neither, there is something for you in this episode. And a bonus is we even talk about one of my new favorite books. You know, my big thing is making sure we give you tips that are practical so that you can immediately be better, do better, and live better. So let's get about that. So rather than me tell you about the episode, why don't we head on over so you can listen to it? Better with Dr. Erica. Hello, welcome Better Nation. We have a brand new episode today and I am your host, Dr. Erica. Now, you know I'm a doctor. I have a whole bunch of letters behind my name. Sometimes it feels like too many letters because it was a whole lot of school. But you know, this podcast is for educational purposes only. You know, this isn't where I actually see my patients, not on the podcast. So you know how to find me if you want to be my patient. But right now, we're going to be getting to a great conversation because that's what you turn on the podcast for, to listen to some stuff, right? So let me first tell you, I am beyond excited about my guest today. Beyond excited. Like, you you just don't know. Plus, hey, she got multiple excited. I mean, that's that's something. That is something. Now, you know, since around season two, I decided reading, reading, I can't say the word. What is the word? Bios. Reading bios is not my ministry. Even though I did, as I told you, I got a really great score on the ACT, but I read very well. I just don't feel like reading bios anymore because no one can dynamically tell you about someone more than themselves. So no one can tell you better about Tiffany Hauser than Tiffany Hauser, unless maybe she might have a publicist and they may do a pretty good job too. 
but you know, that is what it is. So my guest today is Tiffany Hauser. She does quite a few of the things. I don't know if I should say she does all the things, but she does a lot of things. So I want you to just relax, listen in and hear more about her because I'm going to let her tell you about herself. But the one thing I have to say, there are two things in her bio that I'm so tickled. She has a dog named Coconut. I mean, sure do. Sure so you do. know she's got to be great <laughs> if she has a a dog named Coconut that has got to probably be, I have not seen this dog. I will get pictures of this dog afterwards. I'm sure this is the cutest dog to ever walk the face of the earth other than my dog brothers. <laughs> oh. it might, they might have a tie. So, Tiffany, can you tell the people of Better Nation a little bit about yourself? Yes, Dr. Erica. Oh, my goodness. Well, you started off with Coconut, and she, if you go to our website, uh, she is our chief joy officer. She's on our website (laughs) as well. Oh, I am here for it. Yeah. Um, And thank you so much for having me on. And um, hello to everyone who's listening. Uh, My name is Tiffany Hauser. I am an executive coach and leadership facilitator and trainer. And what, who I am is I'm just very passionate about people and transformation. And really what I focus on is coaching individuals uh, at the senior level in organizations Mm -hmm. or founders who their company is in hyper growth, they're scaling and growing and their teams and we focus on embracing and you know embracing change and what has you know us resist that and then uh the big one which is self-worth uh which is what uh a little bit about i think we're going to talk about today yeah um yeah and as i created the self-worth advantage uh we just really started to see this you know one of the things that tickled me and really like blew my mind uh, in the beginning of my coaching is, you know, I had this thing where I thought if you were at the top of a company or you were running your own company, and I mean, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, I have a team, but I mean like running an enterprise. Mm -hmm. I I thought you had your stuff together. (laughs) You had it all figured out and you were chilling confidently at the top. And I would say 95% of the people that I coach at that level, they are not feeling that way. And so that's what had us create and put together the framework of the self-worth advantage. So before we get into all things self-worth, because I'm 100% here for it. I'm here for it. There is a reason why imposter syndrome pops up everywhere. Mm. I feel like Google's going to put something up on it just because I said it out loud and my computer heard it. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or Facebook. <laughs> the internet's listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I know for a lot of us, sometimes work and, and changing the world takes so much energy that sometimes we have to relax with things. So I'm wondering what book, show, or, or, or movie is, is taking up some of your relaxation time these days? Oh, girl. It's so funny you say that because one that was not <laughs> relaxing me, we just finished it yesterday with Succession. Great show, terrible ending, terrible oh. ending. And so to answer that in, a, in the way you're looking for, I would say only murders in the building right now. We're, we're really <laughs> delighted by that. It's like really good. And Jesse Williams is on this new season, which is kind of cool. Oh, wow. Um, 
No disrespect to whoever his boo is. He is good eye candy. Mm-hmm. I just started rewatching Grey's Anatomy for no good reason other than <laughs> I literally was like, I didn't see when George died. Let me see when George died. And it's turned into a rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> a rabbit hole of, of, of amazement looking at human behavior, but also like no one is on a rotation this long in real life. Yeah. You know, and and why do we never see the ER staff in the ER of Grey's Anatomy? Why is it all surgeons? There is an emergency medicine specialty and staff. Usually the chief of the ER is an ER doc. Why does the trauma doc act like he's chief of the ER? Yeah. I, I, (laughs) well, you, you need to send a note to Shonda about that. Things that make you say, hmm. Hmm. (laughs) But I'm wondering, I I have heard about Succession. I haven't watched it. Um, Is the ending as bad as Game of Thrones? Because to me, that's the the marker. Mm -mm. (laughs) For bad endings is Game of Thrones. In my experience, it was way worse. I mean, I was yelling at the TV and really stressed out and frustrated in the last couple of scenes. And then... there's like a few minutes left and you're like, okay, they're going to bring it home. They're going to, they're going to fix this. <laughs> no, no. And it's okay. Like if there was another season or something, uh-huh. but don't, don't do it people. Unless someone, you know, wants you to, you know, like you're like, I, I want to figure out X, Y, Z or someone told you something Okay. like a few of my clients. So I just told my partner, I'm like, I'm going to have a conversation with my clients because <laughs> that was not good. It was not good at, when it was all said and done. Lots of interesting bits, but if you're going to bring it home and people talk the way they did about this show, Ooh. they did not bring it. I'm just like, you really didn't bring it if you were worse than the Game of Thrones ending because I'm a big Game of Thrones fan, read all Same. the books too, and that was that was tragic. Like, it you just sit there befuddled looking at the TV mm-hmm. and, and who the heck thought anybody would want to be called brand the broken. <laughs> oh, you're and really what, into it. You are in what really world is that sexy? <laughs> I mean, that's like looking at someone being like, Oh, Hey, Hey Erica with the zit, you know, nobody wants to hear this. Nobody yeah. wants that. Nobody wants that with, you know, Leela with the limp. You know, nobody wants to hear that. You know, yeah. You are Larry, Larry with it. the cataracts. <laughs> really, really. <laughs> My dad doesn't really have cataracts, though. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> but really, you know. Yeah. But but back to why we're actually here. So so um, I guess we could. I wonder what the self worth. They must have good self-worth to put this stuff out and then keep on moving. So I don't think they had problems with self-worth. But how did you end up so passionate around self-worth? Yeah, that's such a great question because that isn't something people are like passionate about. It's not like, I, you know, I'm going to build something around this. Yet at the beginning of this year, when um, one of my, not just like my top client, but like my favorite. And yes, I'm going to say I have a favorite. Um, I know, I know. I love everyone, but this person has been um, a real catalyst with the results 
you know, really diving in, rolling up sleeves and diving in and like going for it. But then also, you know, also being a champion of it. So referring me um, and a lot of the people that I started to work with for the first time this year. Um, and these are people who are presidents of Fortune 500, CXOs of Fortune 500. Mm-hmm. They have raised a Series A, about to raise their Series B of their company, leading 85 people. And they all were saying either the imposter was coming up, like literally that was coming out of their mouth. Or, you know, I had a few people, you know, because they were moving into this opportunity. I'm not sure if the the team that I'm going to lead, I'm not sure if they're going to like me or trust me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's real stuff. And, and, and in more in the, in the regard of I'm coming in with a vision, I was brought in to either transform or innovate, whatever that is. I'm coming in with a vision that might be disruptive. Yes, it will be disruptive. Mm -hmm. And they were more afraid of how the team would receive them and their vision rather than just standing in their self-worth and standing in that vision to enroll the people into their vision And, you know, they were standing in a place of fear or not like, I'm afraid, Mm -hmm. but like, you know, that nervousness, that anxiousness and that uncertainty, if you will. So rather than, you know, being excited to start this new opportunity and not only excited, uh, I would say about half of the the people I coached in the beginning of the year, this was the next level. So Mm -hmm. they were being promoted up into a new space or new investors were coming into their company and invest, like telling them, we love what you got. We love what you do. And still that wasn't enough evidence for them to stand there, stand in their worth and trust, you know, their intuition and trust what it is and who they are bringing to the table. Wow. And I guess sometimes you, it's, it's almost like, when you see things and you watch TV or you see these people that you think are really successful or important that it's, it's always interesting when you realize they're just regular people problems that everybody has. Girl, go back to now. That'll bring us back to succession because they're talking about billions of this and bill, And I'm like, and they're like nervous and like, what are they going to think? Or are they going to like, and I'm like, what is happening right now? So it was like, <laughs> It's like you're spot on with what you just said. Better with Dr. Erica. It's time for What's Up with Dr. Erica. In the midst of prepping for the holiday season and decluttering, you know those two go hand in hand because I have to get my place all nice and together because there's this last push of all of the things to get done. It's not simply for entertaining. It's my mind works better in a clutter-free zone. So since I have so many things to do, I needed to get this place all cleaned up. In the midst of all of this decluttering, I was able to carve out a little bit of couch time. And you know the couch time usually includes a little bit of TV sometimes. Now, I have been struck by two separate redemption arcs. The first one is Zuko from Avatar The Last Airbender. Of note, this is Avatar, the cartoon that was on Nickelodeon, not that movie, The Last Airbender by, you know, I have no hate for M. Night Shyamalan, but that movie, ooh, I'm not even gonna start on how I feel about that movie. But related to Zuko on the cartoon, 
The second is Loki. Now I highly recommend the content of both of them. And please note, the end of Loki's arc is actually in the second season of the show Loki on Disney+. Plus. Please note Disney+, Plus, Nickelodeon, and all the things are paying me no money. These are notable because it is so easy to get down on yourself about mistakes or things that didn't go well. And one of the things we have had through this period of pandemic, still dealing with the COVID, all of the things going on, all of the adulting, all of the inflation, all of the things, is it's so easy to get down on things that have happened or to feel super stressed out and to start doubting yourself and blaming yourself. And don't get me started talking about the shame monster. Now, what is notable about these redemption arcs is number one is they are so big. These are people that you're like, oh, <laughs> I don't know if they can get better. And when you first meet them, you don't think they can be better. And the redemption arcs are just stellar. So I want you to check those out if this is a genre you like. But even if it's not, I have something to say. These redemption arcs are a reminder that it's never too late to change and it's never too late to turn things around. And to remember that what happened yesterday is not the only determining factor of today and tomorrow. So remember that you have the power to make better choices, you have the power to make different choices, and you have the power to take action. So I want you to remember this bit of homework, which is to play an active role in your choices, an active role in your choices. And don't just let life happen to you. You need to happen to your life. You know, I always say, I'm here to put you back in your life. I'm reminding you to be in your life. So that's what I got for What's Up with Dr. Erica today. Back to the show. Better with Dr. Erica. Well, thank you. And I'm, I'm wondering, since you've, you've worked with this so much on a professional level, can you tell us a little bit about your own journey with your own self-worth? Ooh, yeah. It's interesting because I call, you know, when I'm like laying the, the groundwork or setting the scene for this, um, because a lot of people, they, they don't even acknowledge that they feel this way. They like suppress it or ignore it. So I call this like a roller coaster ride and I've been on it. I mean, I'm a black mm -hmm. woman. I live in this country. I've worked in corporate America. I run my own company. So I've been on yeah. the highs and lows of this mother trucking journey. And really for me, what I ultimately found out is I was carrying so much shame around my family like so much shame around my nuclear family, my mom, my dad, my brother, that I developed a alter ego or a persona, like a fakeness, the mm -hmm. armor and the veil. So I protected myself by being better than. So my protection to like make it just survive. And, and to anyone listening, I didn't know this when I was doing it. <laughs> I'm 48 now. I didn't really have this reflected and I didn't really have the courage and the wherewithal to even really look at this stuff until I was about 43. And so when I understood that because I was carrying shame and felt shame, I would hide the authentic parts, the real, my family, mm -hmm. my family, how much more authentic can you get? Like those are my people, that's where I came from. 
And instead I chose to dominate, to be superior, like conquer and get the results. Because if I could do that, and when I did it, I did it a lot. Um, I had nothing to be ashamed of because I was winning. I was, mm -hmm. you know, doing, doing the thing and being successful. Yet it never felt good. I never felt fulfilled. It felt great in the moment, but in my wholeness, in my life, okay, because I'm only talking about like success in business mm -hmm. or, you know, money, things like that. I was never in a relationship until I was 45, like a real one. Mm -hmm. Of course, I, you know, I bounced around and met people, men, um, but it, and I didn't understand how I never felt a sense of home. So people would always be confused or like, I guess, judge me because I would travel a lot and move mm -hmm. a lot in their, in their uh, point of view. And so I realized the roller coaster we take ourselves on is because we're either holding on to shame or we have not filled up or actually drank from our cup of value and worth. It's full. It, it's And you take a sip, girl, it gets that sip gets replaced immediately. There's never a depletion of worth and value. And what I've learned through all of my research and through working with my clients, and specifically, I, I would be my number one, I am my number one client, mm -hmm. is that the only one that could ever compromise my self-worth, the way I feel about me, is me. Sure, people could be disrespectful, they could be rude to me, but that can't juggle or like jeopardize my value I hold of myself and the worth I hold of myself. So that's a little bit about my little journey roller coaster of self-worth. Well and I I love the analogy of what feels like the the magic the magic automatically refillable bottomless cup. I mean it mm -hmm. sounds even better than bottomless mimosas. Um, even though I, I don't even drink alcohol, so I'm really just talking trash right now. <laughs> I don't, I don't drink, I drink hot tea. Um, but one of the things that's interesting that you talked about, um, for a lot of my listeners out there is that everyone's journey, your journey is authentically yours. It is your journey. What's going to make you happy. What's going to bring you joy. What's going to bring you the lessons you need to fulfill your purpose is different for every person. And I was listening to you talking about your traveling and movement. And I'm someone, people that know me in this stage may not know how nomadic <clears throat> I've historically been because I've actually, a large part of my career was um, being a traveling psychiatrist. Wow. I work from home quite a bit now. So I'm actually mm -hmm. home, home where I'm still trying to get seven days together where I'm home, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> but it was interesting living nomadically that the assumption from a lot of people was that I didn't have a life plan, that the reason I was on the move so much was because I didn't have a plan mm, yeah. when actually that was the plan. The plan. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I love what you're talking about as far as, and that's one of the reasons why I have this concept called the better seven, these seven essential um, areas that are very important for you to have the life that you deserve and were created for. Why self-talk is so big because uh, just being able to have positive self-talk and to not 
be hypercritical of yourself or tear yourself down or, or even speak things that aren't even truth. Cause a lot of the stuff we say to ourselves, that's negative self-talk isn't actually based in fact, Yeah, mm-hmm. um, is just, it's, it's so important to start getting, getting that self-awareness. And I'm, I'm not surprised that you're talking about the forties. I feel like the forties, the thirties were great, but the forties, I felt like you hit your forties and there's amount of emotional freedom that just magically mm. comes in your forties mm-hmm. that even gets bigger when you get over your forties. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. I hear you. Yeah. And it, you know, it's interesting, you know, because the things that have happened to us in our thirties and our twenties, and if we want to go all the way back to our teens and our, you know, our little, our little tight time, they were all leading us to where we were meant to go anyway. And I know, you know, when I share this with some of my clients, we don't go this deep all the time, but some of my clients, mm-hmm. they, they're, they've done their work and they want to go deeper. And so when we look at this stuff, we look at the gifts and the lessons that we learned and the little pivots that were created because, oop. Not, I don't want to do that. I don't want to feel that again. I don't want to meet another person like, so oop, pivot, shift. Yeah. And yeah. And, and to feel this way at whatever age you get to, however, mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think it's like you slide into the forties, like the way you started the show, like inviting your listeners to relax. I was like, that's what the forties like, you know? <laughs> and then I feel like the fifties, we reclined that thing back one more notch. Like, okay, let me kick back. Like, you know, the little airline airplane kickback, yeah. just that little bit makes, I don't know why it makes a big difference. And so um, thank you for highlighting that. Oh, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. So I know you, you talked about working with these people that are our leaders um, in business. So what, what does self-worth have to do with leadership or running a team? Yeah. Well, you know, just like one of the examples I shared earlier, if you're walking in to a team or if you are already leading a team and you don't feel they trust you, you don't feel they like you, you're either going to feel bad, incompetent, incapable, stressed out, you know, all the exhausted, this is a lot of the things that lead to burnout. Or if unfortunately, you might be one of the people who leans toxic, because this can go two different ways, you it could just all be about you, you feeling Mm -hmm. bad about yourself, you beating yourself up. And beating yourself up and feeling bad with all of those responsibilities. And I'm talking about like, these people are in charge of millions and billions of dollars in their industry or their organization. And then if you lean toxic, which this does happen, I, I led toxic for a little bit, you start projecting that out and you start, you're not going to beat yourself up. So you, who are you going to beat up? Your team. You're mm-hmm. going to grind them, micromanage them, hold them to standards they can never meet. And then you'll be always like confused. Why are people leaving my team? Why are people, why are people reporting me to HR? So it is invaluable not just in your leadership, but in your life. But I I talk about this a lot in the workplace because that's my area of expertise. Mm -hmm. And and I love 
focusing on the workplace because when I talk to leaders, I know when they get this, when they really get it and apply it, it ripples out to the mm. people on their team. And this matters because the reason people are feeling bad, not the reason, I don't want to speak in absolute. So one of the reasons we feel bad about ourselves is because of the way we treat ourselves. And then if we don't if we ain't going to do that because we don't tolerate treating ourselves badly or we're numb and it just isn't working anymore, we project that out onto people. And I, I'm sure, Dr. Erica, you could ask five of your friends what they think about their boss if they have a, you know, a corporate mm-hmm. they work for. I'm sure half of them will say something about their boss that is not bright and shiny. And I would guarantee, I would put everything I am and own on the fact that 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 boss is not standing and grounded in their self-worth and they're compromising it. And there's five big ways we compromise our self-worth. And I guarantee they're doing one or a few, if not all of those to themselves and then project. And then instead of feeling it or experiencing it, they're projecting it out onto their team. And so that affects performance, engagement, productivity, revenue, which is why we go into business. I mean, yes, we go into business Mm. to serve, to help, to cure, to solve. And we are in a for-profit business to profit from it Mm -hmm. as well, to use the money for, you know, our life, our family, to donate back, whatever that may be. And so I, you know, we, me and my team, we believe it is incredibly valuable because those people are someone's mom, they're someone's dad, they are someone's spouse, they are someone's neighbor. And if they are carrying this uh, compromised self-worth experience around, that unfortunately is rippling out into just everyday life. And then we, we wonder why, you know, people are so hot and heated over certain topics or, you know, we're just so frustrated at the neighbor or, you know, why I can't get through to my kids. You know, that list goes on and on. Now, I know you mentioned you said for a short period of time you led Toxic. How did it, how did it feel when you realized that was what you were doing? When when it clicked, this was what was going on. Mm-hmm. How How did you feel? Girl, it clicks right away, by the way. But sometimes... If you don't have the tools and framework to self-regulate, like you said, your awareness, if you don't have ways to activate your awareness, you, it's weird. It's almost like an outer body experience because you are literally sometimes watching yourself be horrible. You're like, oh my God, I'm being so horrible to my team right now. Why can't I stop? Yet the automatic system inside of you, which I call the ego, um, because the ego's job is to protect you. Yet what it does is it overprotects. And so it felt horrible to treat people this way. And, and really my core belief that I thought I was operating from is I want the best from us. I want the best from you. I know you can do better. But the way people were experiencing that where you're not doing it right, you're not doing enough. You suck. And so when I would get that feedback from HR, not directly from my team. My mm-hmm. team would report me to HR. When I would get that feedback, felt horrible. But in the earlier stages, before I was waking, you know, waking up and and really starting to care, because at first I didn't care. Like I just wanted mm-hmm. those results because I was still 
more concerned about protecting myself than solving what and resolving mm -hmm. what was going on. Um, at first, I'd be like, ah, oh, screw them, <laughs> whatever. And then I started to wake up into, oh, okay, I, this is not my intention. At least that's what I believe. But I could tell you a whole thing about intention for another day. <laughs> but I honestly thought, I was like, I, I, I would never want to have somebody feel terrible. And so, you know, the wake up kept happening and I did not let myself go back to sleep. I did not let myself slide back. Mm -hmm. I kept, and it's a stretch. I call it a stretch, stretching myself forward into this uncomfortable space of knowing, ooh, that doesn't work when I treat people that way. That doesn't work when I say what I say in that tone. It doesn't work when I use these certain words. And your facial, I, I mean, I have a very strong presence and everybody can feel it, especially in person. People are like, oh, and I'm sitting here just like in my thoughts and everyone's like, what's wrong? I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, your face. I'm like, oh my God, my face gets a lot of feedback in like, it seems like you're pissed or like judging or, mm -hmm. you know, like over, like synthesizing something. So yeah, it doesn't feel good. And that's the same thing I hear from my clients about their senior leader. So if somebody is treating them that way, um, it's easy for me to know again, okay, they're compromising their self-worth and they don't want to feel it. So they're projecting. So there's a whole little, not little, but a whole pattern that's very easy for us to see, which is great because our role is to support you in understanding it, not to judge it or try to fix it right away. That's what most people want to do. I just want to fix it. How do we be better? I'm like, can't be better with until you know how, how why it's happening, where it's coming from. You need to know where it's coming from so you can address that. That is what has you be that way. You can't just mm -hmm. like practice all the, the strategies and tips and advice without looking at what causes you to do that. That reminds me of, I did a talk for an organization around emotional intelligence. And part of the conversation too was if, if there's something major going on with you or you have some underlying trauma or underlying mental health concern, mm -hmm. that people can talk to you about all this stuff, all they can do, but you actually have to address the stuff underneath it. So I love that you're coming back and circling back to at some point you have to figure out why you feel that way. There are multiple yep. modalities or ways to do that. 100%, I'm, yep. I'm one of those people that I believe everybody could use a therapist, but um, me too. Uh, but it's just so important to be able to number one, have that silence or quiet time. Silence is also one of the better seven to be mm. able to start having that self-awareness but the other thing I, I love that you brought up is that change change is never 100% comfortable. <laughs> so so mm -hmm. when we're all on these missions of trying to be better, do better, and live better, and lead better, that there's going to have to be some level of discomfort to be able to transform and change and improve. Because if it was that easy, we all would have done it yeah. when we were 12. Yeah. And there would be no need. There would be no coaching or development mm -hmm. or therapy or anything like that. And one thing I want to add to that, you know, you, you said 
I think everyone gets to work with a therapist. You know, being a coach, one of the things I also discovered along this journey is a lot of people hold shame where they won't even receive, forget about request. Mm -hmm. They won't receive the support. They'll request it, but then they just won't receive it. They'll go, they'll show up, but they won't do the work. They won't receive the space that's being held for them. And so this is also one of my bigger parts of the mission of the self-worth advantage is also creating the space for us to let go of the shame around these things, especially men. Men, you know, ladies, I'm going to, you know, they still run in this stuff. <laughs> and, and what I'm talking about is business and probably most of the world. And so if we keep letting them avoid their work, their emotional intelligence work, their inner heart space work, and just like you said, there's many different modalities, there's many different concepts, it's, we're all just kind of like poking holes in the whole thing of humanity. And so that's, you know, that's why I talk about shame a lot because the more we name it and talk about it, it loses its power and the energy mm -hmm. that we think is so unbearable or so uncomfortable. And the biggest thing that I was ashamed about with my family was uh, my dad was a drug user, heavily, heavily. Mm -hmm. He still, he just came out of it. But I mean, like, this is like 60 years of drug use. Like my dad is yeah. mid seventies now. And he just came out of like a, a rehab like a month ago, again, for probably the couple dozenth time. And so I used to carry shame around that until I started talking about it. And then the, the whole thing started to just become, this is what is going on with my dad. It has nothing to do with me. And it does. And then when I started talking about it, more people were like, wow, it's in my family too. And then that ripple effect, we just created a space of uh, acceptance for each other, a safety of, wow, and also the knowing that there's nothing to be ashamed of. This is happening and, you know, we get to just either understand it, handle it, support, whatever the case may be. Because what I did do before I understood this, I turned my back on it which meant I turned my back on my family. That doesn't work. Can't turn your back on people. You could, but that's definitely poking holes in your self-worth. Well, and I can't even imagine, I talk to people that have had so many experiences. And the weird thing is, is the more you talk to people, you start realizing everybody has some. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Something yeah. has happened to everyone. And especially even if you just start looking down, even part of the list of what was determined to be um, adverse childhood experiences. It's stuff a lot of people have had, you know, yeah. parents divorced, a parent with mental health issues, somebody in the household, actually it's a person in the household with mental health issues, a person in the household that has gone to jail, any kind of mm -hmm. neglect and assault. I mean, it's it's a list that you, if you put 10 people in a room and you start going down a traditional lift of traumas and then get to the point where you start adding in racism, uh, treatment against the LGBTQIA community, food insecurity, all these things, then you're just going to have, it's 
a lot of people. Yeah. It's all of us. It's all of us. And it's really interesting. Have you ever heard of the saying, like, if you were to take your biggest problem and put it in a pile with everyone else's and you saw all those problems, you would be grabbing your biggest problem back first. Like, and you needed to take one out. Like you could put yours in, but you also need to take one out. The saying or the story goes, you would 100% go take yours back out when you actually got to see what everyone else is experiencing. I haven't heard that, but I see it every day because it's one of those things that, and I've worked in, gosh, I've worked in outpatient clinics. I've done work in rehabs. I've worked in hot, acute hospitals. So I, unfortunately, I've had an opportunity to see some of the horrible, most horrible things that humans do to each other. Mm -hmm. And then just things that just happened that weren't just humans doing bad things to each other. Yeah. And, and probably one of the biggest gifts of this kind of work is that every day I have gratitude because every day I talk to someone who, as you say, their problems eclipse my problems. Yep. You know, they totally eclipse it. But the one thing I do tell people is to also keep in mind that just because other people may have bigger problems than you, it doesn't invalidate your own personal experience. hundred percent. Because I, I feel like that's a big thing, especially for women, is that it's kind of like, well, they're worse than me. So yeah. I'm okay. And it's like, you know, there, yeah. yes, yes, somebody got hit by a train, but you know, you having a car accident, that's still, it's problematic or, mm-hmm. you know, yes, someone yeah. beat them up, but you know, this, someone locked you out the house. That's a problem. Wait, there are numerous versions of things and it doesn't have to be the worst of the worst or something that you feel like would have been on a prime show of Oprah. Exactly. Because I, I listened yeah. to that book, What Happened to You with Her and Bruce Perry, and it reminded me, Oprah's show was, it was either joy or trauma. <laughs> and, re, and, and like, in retrospect, I'm like, there wasn't a lot in between. Either uh-uh. it was like something absolutely uh-uh. horrible or something great. Yeah, she swung us on a pendulum. And that's cool because she swung us into places we don't talk about. We're either shameful, we have shame around it, or we don't know enough. Mm-hmm. Or we didn't back, we didn't have social media and the internet as much as we do back, you know, now. I'm happy we didn't. Uh, you girl, me too. <laughs> oh man, we have multiple conversations in this household about that because no one needs to know what I was doing in the 90s. Oh my gosh. Um, can you, I mean, it's already was a, a drama when they said someone had nerve enough to make a movie about Freaknik. Now, I didn't do anything. Y'all know, I, I was, I took my MCAT during Freaknik. I was not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew there were no, no scandalous videos of Dr. Erica out there on the internet. So I was not panicking. But just, just yeah. the amount of distraction we didn't have because there weren't cell phones or computers. I mean, I didn't have an email address till I was in medical school. Yeah, You know, so it was yeah. one of those things where we just didn't have the level of natural distraction. Well, yeah. And, and it's funny that, you know, and it's not funny, it's interesting that you bring up uh, social media because, you know, the self-worth advantage is a framework. So right now it's just, we work with leaders and companies with this, but it trickles into the self-worth advantage for your health, for relationships. Um, and I'm going to be partnering with somebody else with 
uh, I call it, you know, for children, but I don't, okay. maybe like teens, but you know, I, I see, I don't have any children myself, but a lot of people in my life do. And I see how addicted they are, not just to the social media, but when they post something, how many people liked it? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh man. And so they put their heart and soul into something, a video, a story, I don't know, a graphic. And if it doesn't get whatever amount of likes they're quantifying, they start compromising their self-worth over that. That means something about them. Mm -hmm. And that gets to stop. We get to support our kids in really understanding that you are you, that is that. That is not who, it has nothing to do with your identity and your worth and your value. And so when you were saying um, the whole thing about uh, Oprah, you know, she swung that pendulum uh, to the right of like, ooh, like that stuff, we don't really talk about that. But as she swung it to the left of like, like we didn't really do that either because of what you said. I can't really, because I don't know if everybody else is doing, like, you know how you said about, well, I can't talk about it because she has a bigger problem than me. When people are compromising their their self-worth, they also don't celebrate and acknowledge and appreciate themselves because they feel like it's bragging or being too Mm -hmm. self-centered if you want to celebrate that you got all these letters behind your name and the hard work and the commitment and investment you made in yourself, that that's you just bragging about yourself. And so there is a body of work um, that I love. It's pretty deep, (laughs) but it's called um, The Patriarchy Stress Disorder by Dr. Valerie Rain. And if anybody's interested in reading this book, it's just a great book and she's amazing. But just the beginning where she talks about lowercase t trauma and uppercase Mm -hmm. t trauma that concept alone shifted so much for me and putting together this framework and the whole concept of the self-worth advantage. Because just like you said, that woman who got hit by a car, but her friend got hit by a train, but she ain't going to like take the shine mm-hmm. off her friend. A lot of people think only time I could take attention or be in the, you know, have attention or focus on me is if I'm in a uppercase T mm-hmm. trauma something really awful, terrible, or something really amazing, awesome. I graduated. I'm getting married. That's the only time I get Mm -hmm. my shine. And what Dr. Valerie talks about is this lowercase t trauma, which is the everyday stuff that in fact is impacting us more than the uppercase t trauma. So being catcalled, Mm -hmm. someone making, or what you think, a weird look at you, you know, your mom saying like, oh, you're wearing that today. Um, you know, and that list goes, someone forgetting, like you ask them to take the garbage out and they forget. I was blown away by, by what lowercase t traumas are. Cause I'm like, I experienced like a hundred of those. A day. It, <laughs> it like is. I mean, I think the thing that's so big about it is there are certain groups of people and it's not a mystery of when they start talking about imposter syndrome and all these things. It's the same group of people because <laughs> it's like the, the amount of, and we can have this talk right now, you know, living life in a black body, especially a black female body, this stuff happens all the time. And then I remember having a conversation with a mentee and literally having this conversation that 
the expectation that you never experience sexual harassment is is just totally totally unrealistic. I'm most people I know, most of my friends, all of us have experienced sexual harassment. Now, ask me how many of us went to HR. Mm. We'd all be in HR all the time if we went to HR every time there was sexual harassment. Not saying don't go to HR. I'm just saying it's one of those things that there's so much stuff that happens that it's almost like it's one of the things I talk to a lot of people about, and we talked on the show about it, is that there's a point where all of these other kinds of traumas happen so frequently and especially in certain communities are so compacted and it's everyone's experience that no one thinks that this is not an ordinary experience. If you live in a lower income area, seeing someone get shot or, or somebody not having enough food or somebody yelling and acting up, somebody not being supervised, all kind, not, you know, all kinds of things become normal. So it's like, Oh, so-and-so did so-and-so. Oh, that happened to everybody. And it ends up, it doesn't even, when I actually take extensive trauma histories, the average person has no idea how much trauma they've actually experienced that I work with. Yeah. And the compounding effect of it. Oh, all right. We got to shake that one off. (laughs) Well, and that's why I think a lot of this work that work you're doing along with other companion work with emotional intelligence is so important because everyone's going to function better. And the thing I love about a lot of the things you're talking about, they do ripple out. It's if, if you're more emotionally regulated and you're, you feel better about yourself, well, that's going to impact how you live your life in all spaces, Mm. not just your space of being a leader and performing in business, but it will also impact your interpersonal relationships, how you interact with other people in your life, or even how you interact with your Uber driver. Yep. 100%. It's going to just change that. Better with Dr. Erica. Welcome to Goodwin Medical Associates, where we provide customized, caring telepsychiatry that is delivered with compassion by a Harvard-trained, double-board-certified psychiatrist. Don't you know that everyone, including you, deserves great mental health? Visit www.goodwintelepsych.com for more information and to book your free consultation. Better with Dr. Erica. We've been talking a while, so I want to at least get one more practical tidbit in because you're pretty smart. Like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm here for Tiffany Hauser. Yeah. Uh, what's one of the quickest ways to transform insecurity into confidence? Oh, good question. It goes, I mean, there, there's so many, but the, the fastest way or one of the fastest ways I like to share with my um, clients is to look at the evidence all around you. Because mm-hmm. again, my typical client is a senior leader or they're running like some dope company. Yeah. Look at all the evidence around you. Look how far you've come. Look how much you've accomplished. Look how much impact, how much contribution you have made turn around and look at that rather than being afraid or insecure for what is coming next or what Mm -hmm. you know in some case what just happened like if they made a mistake or 
you know, one of the biggest things my clients talk to me about is I just did a presentation to the board or I just, you know, had my team in or, you know, the senior management team came in, meaning like somehow there's somebody above them. And they were asked a question that they didn't know the answer to on the spot. And we know this, like as speakers or leaders, mm-hmm. like someone asks you a question, especially my sales folks out there, you know, if someone asks you a question, how do we respond, Dr. Erica? And we don't know the answer. What's one of the ways you respond? One of my ways is that is a really great question. Yes. Let me, let me check and get more information and then I'll get back with you. Yes. And you'd be surprised how many times people forget that because one of the, one of the challenges and the, you know, the poo poo parts of the imposter is why don't you know this answer? You should be prepared. How did you not like get that, you know, in advance in the moment, that's what's going through their mind. Instead of saying, you know what? Great question. Or throw the question back to the person. What do you think? What comes up for you? What, you know, or like, Hey, you know what? I didn't work on this part. My team did. So let me go confer with my team and come back. And I mean, if I were to go through all the logs of, you know, client sessions, that's in there so many times. I was asked a question and I was thrown off. Great. Just like the roller coaster, something's going to twist and turn and like, okay. And it's when you have the resilience, that's all we're doing. We're building the resilience to understand that, okay, because I don't have an answer doesn't mean I'm a crappy leader or I'm incapable or inadequate. That that doesn't mean anything like that because guess what? The person who asked you the question doesn't know the answer either. And one of the biggest things I tell leaders is guess what, what, what? Because we do a lot of guess what. <laughs> you are on a team. You are not running anything by yourself. So anytime you don't have an answer, you are going back to your team. Not, you are not in your role to have the answers to everything. Mm-hmm. Because even the people in the room who you're presenting to or sharing data with, they're on your team too. So you get to partner with people and understand you are on a team. You are not mm-hmm. the one person on the island that's supposed to, supposed to, supposed to. And that word supposed to or should or would um, those, those will poke holes in your uh, self-worth all day long. When you try to carry everything and think you need to carry everything on your shoulders, mm-mm. in fact, another little, and I'm going to chop this one up too, because I'm not okay. really good with saying I'm ready. Um, so this is a paraphrase. Another saying is, you know, the best leaders in the world have people in the room and people working for them that are smarter than them. Why would you hire people that know less than you know? If you know it, you got it. You got it all handled. You don't need anybody to do it or come up with ideas or strategize around it. You hire the people that don't know, excuse me, the people that do know. Right. And if your self-worth is not compromised, you can handle that and do that. But if your self-worth, if you are compromising your self-worth, you may not hire smart people because you mm-hmm. will feel threatened or you, you still need the shine. People who still need the shine, they're somehow compromising their self-worth. There's nothing yeah. wrong with wanting shine, but if you need it, that's different. And that's a distinction I support my clients with because want it, want it all day, want the shine all day. 
Mm-hmm. Yet if you need it, let's talk. There's something there that you get to be supported on because you should never need it because guess who gets to shine on you first? You do. Yes. Yes. I'm having way too much fun for myself. And I, <laughs> I love what you're mentioning because it's making me think of, um, I don't know if I mentioned this on the pod. Like one of the things I, I'm a, well, I have mentioned I'm a piddler. I piddle. Mm-hmm. Piddle a lot in the morning. Mm-hmm. I'm that person that for me to actually get ready takes 15 minutes, but I give myself two hours because I'm going to clean the house. I'm going to do dishes. I'm going to do all these myriads of things. Um, so one of the ways to maximize that time is I actually listen to audiobooks in the morning. Mm. And what you're talking about reminds me of the book I'm listening to now. It's called Who Not How by Dan Sullivan and Dr. Benjamin Hardy. Love them. Yep. Um, and and I think one of the things that's so important for for all of us when when building our self-worth and building our self-confidence and being in all these spaces is is at some point you have to do two things. One thing you got to do is do the work. You need to do the work so that you are emotionally and spiritually healthy. And I did ideally also physically healthy. You need to take care of yourself so that you're going to be functioning at your best anyway and be emotionally at your best so that you can show up in a way that's going to actually encourage, inspire, and be able to tolerate the stress that even the best the best job or position is going to have some level of stress anyway. Hundred percent. It's just part 100%, of life. Percent. Yeah. But but the other is I love how you're bringing up this fact is it's about all this human capital. You know, really having people around you that number one shine in all the areas you don't. <laughs> we can't be great at everything. Um, but have all this knowledge so that you have all these other people to support you. Yep. I love that. I love that so much. Um, and I, I cannot believe you brought up Dan Sullivan. That is too small world because his other concept and book, the gap in the gain, if you haven't read that run to that book, especially anyone who's like building your company, leading your company you know, doing big things in your community for a nonprofit or like whatever, or you're in a sticky situation in a relationship, the gap in the game, Dan Sullivan, we wove that into our framework as well. That's more of like the advanced work, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's really perception, how how you see things. The same thing. We're not changing the thing because you can't change the thing. That thing is the thing. It's raining outside. I can't change it. But do I look at it as like, oh, poo, I can't do this? Or am I like, oh, great, I can do that instead because of, you know, whatever. And so building on the human capital and now I can't even believe you brought in Dan Sullivan. That just, you threw me off for a second. I was like, did she just say that? My Um, bad. No, no, I love it. I'm like, oh my God, because we're trying to get that work out there. We want more people to know about uh, that concept, the gap in the game, because I use it all, I use it in my personal life. Like I'll get upset about like something like, oh, we forgot to get like avocados on taco night. And I'm like, okay, great. So we're going to try some, the gap is being upset about not Mm -hmm. having avocados on taco night. 
the gain is, okay, we're going to try something new. Maybe we'll, I don't know, throw some cucumbers and I don't know, we'll try something new. So rather than feeling poo-poo about what is, I can't believe how many times I said poo-poo in this episode. (laughs) I mean, but hey, poo-poo does not make us explicit. So we are good. Yeah, yeah. Um, And just noticing where our energy, our focus and attention is, which is also a part of the resiliency and the work within the self-worth advantage. It's all about where your energy is and what you're focusing on and the way you look at it. And then we get to understand first where it comes from and then not judge that. So not go and do what we've been doing, beat ourselves up because, you know, we are, you know, we lash out because of X, Y, Z. Don't do that to yourself. Don't judge yourself for lashing out. Let's understand why do I, what has me lash out? Okay. And then get curious about that. Go even deeper because you can say, oh, when people cut me off in traffic or when people are late to my party, that's not what has you lash out. It's something bigger than that. It's people letting you down or you thinking no one cares about you. So people can be late and cut you Mm -hmm. off in traffic because the real deep undercurrent you might be thinking or believing is no one cares about me. And so when you know that, now go collect your evidence that people do care about you because they absolutely do. But your energy and focus keeps looking for the people who don't care and instances. That's all it is. It's instances of maybe people didn't care in one moment, but you're compounding all those moments rather than, okay, interrupting yourself, get out of the gap and now go find your game. Go find the people, focus your energy on that. And if a moment comes up where someone may not be caring about you in the moment, hey, can I let you know something right now? I'm making up a story that you don't care about me right now. I know that's not true. However, just it just pushed a button inside of me. What you just, you know, because you were late. And when people are late, I make up a story they don't care about me. When you when you're able to talk to people like that, you better believe some massive things are going to shift in your life and in your relationships. It's going to be wonderful because people are craving to be talked to that way, to have those kind of conversations where we're being honest with each other and not attacking each other through our honesty. Well, and, and before we switch gears, because at some point I have to let you go. Yeah. (laughs) As much as I want to hang out with you all the day, all the day. Yeah. Is that, there's something about that language that it's validating your own feelings, but it's also validating the experience of the other person. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's a beautiful way of being present mm-hmm. and also bringing someone else into a participant of the conversation versus telling them what they did. Yeah. I just heard inclusion. Yeah. I love that. Hey, you know, I can hang out with you. Absolutely. When this is all over, I'll show you a picture. There is one of my accountability partners. Looks like she should be your sister. Dimples and all. Everyone, I would say probably more than half of the people I meet for the first time, they're like, you look like so-and-so. And And not a celebrity, but someone in their life. And I'm like, where are all these doppelgangers? We need to get together. (laughs) Well, this one's in Connecticut. (laughs) That's not too far. That's not too far. So we're going to switch gears and move to the speed round. Are you ready? Yes. Yes, yes. So the first question is, what is the best compliment that you've ever received? 
Oh, oh, I'm blushing. Um, how kind and joyful I am. Oh, I'm getting the warm and fuzzies. Yes. The next one is what is one piece of advice you'd give your younger self? <gasps> it's going to be okay. It all works out. You're safe. I am here for this. The last one is what is your superpower? That I can find the humor, not just the light, but I can find the humor in whatever it is. I mean, with, you know, respect yeah. in, in respectful situations. Mm -hmm. um, no matter what is going on, I somehow could figure out how to laugh about it. I'm like, oh, you know, after, of course, you squeeze the yeah. oh, out. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I talk to the universe. I'm like, I see what you did there see how I had, I created this. So that, and that has been a part of my deep dive too, because there's some things that I just, I'm not going to cry anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be angry anymore. And I'm just going to lighten the load on all of us and then find the joy and the humor through it. I feel like you have found the best things for us to wrap up on. Great. You found it. Great. So as we wrap up this wonderful episode, yes, I called it wonderful and it's mine. Great. Shine on girl. Shine on. Um, this episode, is there anything you, or final words you have for the people in better nation that are listening right now? Yeah. I mean, you're, you are deserving and worth everything you want, everything you want. No one can compromise your self-worth except you. So please do not do that to yourself. No matter what's happening, what you lose, what mistakes, what failure, what setback, that has nothing to do about how amazing and incredible you are. I think I'm just going to grin here because you know what? You're making me feel amazing. Yeah. Good. I feel amazing. So where can the people find you? If you want to be found. Oh yeah. I love being found. Um, you can find me at this, uh, at selfworthadvantage.com. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at Tiffany Hauser, uh, and on LinkedIn, Tiffany Hauser and the Hauser is with an O. So house with an R. Got it. I love that house with an R. I am totally here for it. So this is what I have for y'all. The first thing is thank you for showing up because not only did you trust myself and Tiffany House with an R, also known as Hauser, <laughs> not only did you trust us to be in your ears, you have shown up for yourself. So if you're not driving, give yourself a round of applause, applause for showing up for yourself because you know what? You did. My final thought, you know, I go to my quote cards that I got from the Tarjay, who is not an official sponsor that hopefully one day will be because Tarjay has money. I want their dollars so that I can have more freedom. I love it. I love it. And be even more fabulous. Mm -hmm. uh, this one says, wherever there is a human being, there is an opportunity for a kindness by someone named Seneca. Love it. And one of the things I want you to remember is, is we also have opportunities for kindness with ourselves. So one of the things I think that's huge that 
we do not get encouraged or taught to do is to be kind to yourself. So I want you to be still enough to start being self-aware to notice when you're not kind to yourself. Because one of the great things that we were talking about with self-worth is when you start being cruel or critical or negative to yourself, a lot of times that will spill out to other people. And you will show mm. up in a way that you will not be proud of. Mm. So it starts with you and you can do it. And please also be kind to other people too. That's that's useful. It's important. So thank you all so, so much for your time and energy. I have a couple of housekeeping things. The first thing is if you like what you heard, do me a favor and follow or subscribe. You know I like to drop bonuses, and you don't want to miss the bonuses or anything I drop. So do that. And the next thing is, is I'll see if you like it. Can you please rate and review? It helps me get more content for you. So just rate it. Give it five stars. Look at this like I'm an, I'm the best Uber driver you ever had. <laughs> so put those five stars in and then give us a review. That would be wonderful. It would make my day. So don't you want to make my day? I think you do. I also just want to say I am proud of each and every one of you listening and every single one of you matter. So when you tune into my podcast, you are also filling my love bucket. So thanks for helping to fill my love bucket. So before we hop off here, you know, you can find me on the internet with Better with Dr. Erica, and I'm happy to make your life better so you can be better, do better, and live better. Can you take your left hand, put it in your right arm, take your right hand, put it on your left arm, give yourself a big squeeze unless you're driving because I am not liable for any car accidents or vehicle accidents you get into. And until next time, have a better day. Find me on social media at Dr. Erica, D-O-C-T-O-R-E-R-I-C-K-A on all social media and online at betterthepodcast.com. That's betterthepodcast.com. If you like what you heard, tap on that subscribe or follow button, then click share and click rate and review. Now don't panic if you don't see rate and review. Sometimes it mainly shows up on Apple Podcasts and Audible, but I appreciate hearing your feedback. Check back weekly for new episodes. They drop on Tuesday mornings. Until next time, be better, do better, live better. Better with Dr. Erica. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Nurse Wellness Podcast, hosted by Wendy Garvin Mayo, focuses on the power of stress management and how it's foundational to being your best, doing your best, and giving your best. There's a wonderful episode that you should check out called Letting Go, where Wendy Garvin Mayo shares six strategies to release control and manage stress effectively. Check out Nurse Wellness Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.